Hello and welcome to, to episode number 39 of the Hobbies and Happiness podcast, where we talk all about the hobby that makes us happy, tabletop gaming. I'm one of your hosts, Dan. And I'm Jim. And today we're talking with a good friend of mine, Dwayne Cunningham. So this week we are back to doing interviews. Um, you know, we talked about it uh, weeks ago, actually, on uh, the podcast of looking forward to 2022, yep. uh, kind of what's in store for us um, and really kind of where we want to take this show um, and and this podcast, really. So uh, this is kind of the first of the year and um, we're going to we're going to figure out kind of how we want to move forward. But i um, really looking forward to this conversation. Jim and I sit down with, uh, like he said, one of his friends, Dwayne, um, and we talk all things card gaming. And really, the bulk of the conversation is really centered around NFTs and cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and really kind of the, the correlations and relations that we see to NFTs and the tabletop space. So uh, strap in for a really fantastic conversation. So uh, hope you enjoy. All right. So today... We are talking with uh, Dwayne Cunningham, also known as Infidel 1258. Dwayne, how are you today, sir? I am extremely well. I've, I've had a long weekend in Canada. We have something called Family Day in British Columbia, where I live. And so I've been celebrating my day with my two beautiful daughters, my lovely wife, and we had some in-law visits and overeating on some yummy goodies. So it's been a good weekend. That is that is very interesting. Why don't why don't we have family? Day? Yeah, I just learned about this the other day. <laughs> what is family day? So as an American, I've never heard of family day. What apparently, in the world is that? Apparently it's because we hate families. So. <laughs> I, I, well, that is a whole other topic for a whole other day. <laughs> yeah, but what is family day? Uh, you know, honestly, it's it's uh, it's a sort of special day that a that a borderline communist country comes up with because they want to you know award everything every month its own special day no it's lovely it's lovely but um it, it's nothing it, it, it's not historic it's really i think it's maybe 10 years old and my my province which is like your states is i think one of the only ones that actually celebrates that uh mm-hmm. that particular day Oh, okay. Okay. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Now, um, so, so Dwayne, um, before, before we get into it, can you uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and, uh, kind of, uh, yeah, just kind of what you're doing here on, uh, your little corner of the internet here. Sure, man. Um, so thanks for having me, uh, Dan, nice to meet you, uh, Jim, good to see you. And, uh, so I, Several things, I guess. First of all, I've got a YouTube channel. People probably know it's uh, Dwayne Cunningham, and I go by Infidel1258 on it. We cover Splinterlands a lot, and I do video content every day. I've been covering it for years, but um, you know, more recently, people have really come to it. Um, I'm I'm particularly interested in several things, but video games is definitely one of it. Grew up loving games ever since Nintendo when I was five years old. And um, tabletop has been a really big interest of my life. Also, some of my best friends, we just sit around and play games. Then I met this this uh, lovely lumberjack next to you. And uh, he told me about what you guys are into and just felt like it made sense to maybe sit down and have a chat about, um, you know, whatever comes up. Lo- I- I'm excited to see where it goes. All right. Very cool. So um, in in kind of learning a little bit about you, um, going through your back catalog on YouTube, um, you you talk a lot about finance and cryptocurrency. Um, so 
um, kind of before we dive into that, you did mention mention Splinterlands. Splinterlands is kind of how you and Jim kind of uh, met. Um, can, for those that don't know, can you tell us a little bit a little bit about what Splinterlands is? Sure. I'll try to give you like the one minute pitch that I gave to my friend this weekend, and it's essentially this. So, uh, video ga- it's a video game where you have a collectible card set, and I have a collectible card set, um, and you might have different cards than I do, and we battle one another, sending our putting forward our best team against uh, one another. And the winner of each battle can receive a certain amount of reward. That reward can be paid out in cryptocurrency and separately and additionally in non-fungible tokens that are yours to keep. These are cards. Not not everybody knows what NFTs are, but um, that's probably a whole other conversation. Non-fungible tokens are these assets that you can earn and they can be really meaningfully valuable over a long time horizon due to their deflationary nature. And so it's a game that rewards you a little bit while you're having fun. And that reward can really snowball because of the type of reward you're receiving. Okay. So yeah, like cryptocurrency and NFTs are like a, kind of a hot button topic now. I feel uh, like that's um, for sure. Um, and I, so, so like, I feel, I feel like there's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of information out there. Um, probably some of it good and probably some of it not good. Meet myself. Um, I, I'm the type of person where I'm always trying to learn about kind of um, if I don't know something, I try and learn more about it. NFTs and cryptocurrency are something where I'm a little bit educated, but it's something to where I know I need to be more educated. Um so can you kind of speak to that a little bit as, as far as it being a hot button topic and kind of the things that you have heard? Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've probably heard both positive and negative things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just kind of speak to kind of all the information that's out there and kind of yeah. w- like what's your take on just the overall sense of cryptocurrency and NFTs as it stands right now? Okay, so definitely a very broad topic, but I I have some ideas that would be meaningful for your audience and maybe for yourself, which is this, that um, I think when you look at the the value proposition of cryptocurrency and non-fungible tokens, the idea is that um, they get compared against fiat currency or US dollar or Canadian dollar, which is printed literally every day and ad infinitum like there's no there's no cap on that in fact when there is a cap like there's a debt ceiling in america they just vote every two three four years to just increase it so it's entirely meaningless and every dollar they print makes the the buying power of each dollar before less because if there's more dollars in circulation that means every every dollar is worth less it can buy fewer resources and this is why we get inflation and this is what you've seen in your neighborhood i know you have with housing and mm-hmm. probably with fuel prices and with food and on and on and on mm-hmm. but then along comes cryptocurrency and uh, non-fungible tokens and in theory the best versions of these things are limited in in number when they're originally issued bitcoin has 21 million uh, bitcoins and uh, even Splinterlands, uh, these non-fungible tokens, these cards, they're limited in number. Some cards will have a thousand copies. Some cards will have more copies, some some less. And it, it, in some cases, there can be perhaps a lot of copies, but there's never an infinite number. And that's really important because again, you're, you're, you're measuring it on the basis of fiat value. You're, you're, you're comparing it to some, to the meter stick of us dollars or maybe Canadian dollars. And that, that, that measuring stick is being broken or bent or, or, or ruined, if you want to say it. Um, and that's why something like Bitcoin 
and non-fungible tokens are really interesting. But as a side note and an important kind of acknowledgement, there are certainly are cryptocurrency coins and non-fungible tokens that are a total, you know, um, you know, I would I wouldn't touch them with a ten foot pole. And usually that comes down to what is the use case and utility, and specifically around non-fungible tokens. You, you might have heard of, and maybe some who, some, a viewer may have heard of Bored Ape. It's a type of non-fungible token, like little clip art that you might put on your, you would buy, and then you own it. And it's really prestigious right now. In 2021, 2022, these things are so, selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars for one, you know, I think you might call it a crummy piece of artwork, frankly, a little, a little small picture of a, of the face of an ape, a cartoon ape. And they, they sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars and some of the biggest rappers and, you know, celebrities are wearing them or displaying them on their own kind of Instagram or their Facebook or whatever, whatever um, sites they're using, social media sites they're using. So there's this prestige element, but frankly, there's lack of utility with those. It's literally just a little cartoon ape. Um, and so I would, I would want to just finish that point and say, there are some that are really useless and there are some that are interesting and they offer utility within, for instance, a video game, which is kind of cool. So, um, are, are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? Yes. Okay. Um, so Gary V is probably, <laughs> um, the biggest pusher. <laughs> he, yeah. And he is probably like where I've learned a lot about mm. cryptocurrency and NFTs. Um, now, mm. so and and I feel like this entire conversation is like already when you start talking about cryptocurrency and NFTs, that mm -hmm. conversation is already at like a seven or an eight, yeah. right? As far as like complexity. So if you if you had to explain cryptocurrency and like I, I kind of want to just kind of get your take on this before we kind of go to like nine and ten, which is kind of <laughs> I feel like how it's going to go, and that's great. That's fine. I think this is beyond a ten complexity, <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah. Right, right. But if if you had to explain what is cryptocurrency and what is an mm. NFT to somebody ha who has literally no cons no idea of what they mm. are, how would you go about doing that? Okay, so there, um, I, I think most people know Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a digital currency that there are only so many of, there's 21 million copies of it. And each each unit is divisible by I think a million points. And so it's like, they call them Satoshis. Each Satoshi is one, I think it's one one millionth of a Bitcoin. I may be mistaken about that precise division, but um, the idea is that because of its limited nature, it, it theoretically holds its value, especially among a community of people who are willing to, and who have for de like a decade now, acknowledged that they're willing to exchange it for goods and services. And that's what we've seen. We've seen a year, 10 years, maybe it's more now. Uh, it is more now, I think, that, have, that, that human beings have been trading this thing. And not, not only that, there's um, literally... Uh, 700,000 billion or sorry, $700 billion of value stored in the Bitcoin blockchain, which is to say that there's a lot of people who trust it. And once you get that, once you get over that hump of trust, you get what you'll, what you find is that it's like gold, it's like silver. It's like anything that people are willing to barter with and use. And, and, and because of that, and like I said earlier, with the, the problem with us dollars and Canadian dollars being printed all the time. That's why it has a use case. That's why it has value because it's not being printed all the time. Uh, it has a limited number and that is very important. That's the same reason why people like gold. It's the same reason people like silver. Um, 
non-fungible tokens has a similar kind of story and a similar use case and a, maybe a similar, will spark that similar interest in certain people. But non-fungible tokens, first of all, means uh, fungible is a term that means that every unit is the same. So one US dollar is fungible with a, another US dollar, they're equal. Um, non-fungible is to say like, a you know, an apple is not fungible with a razor. They're totally different things. Um, and, and so every, every NFT is distinct, even in the game Splinterlands, there's, I don't know, 500 different cards and one card will, will be similar maybe in some respects, but they're distinct and different. And as a result, they each have a, they each carry a different utility um, and uh, collectability and therefore valuation. And so um, that's in a nutshell what those two things are and maybe why they're even interesting because again, it all is underscored by, by the, the, the constant inflation of our, of our dollars and, and what that might do to, um, to our assets. Okay. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Does that, does that answer the question? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think it does. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I feel like there's just, there is a lot of misconceptions and honestly just misunderstandings um, going around with, with a lot of topics, honestly, but I feel like, especially in the realm of cryptocurrency and NFTs, a lot of people just really don't know what they are and what they're really being used for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like, like NFTs, the, um, one thing that like Gary Vee says a lot, like he compares NFTs to like skins in a video game, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's yeah. something akin to that to where, but you own, like you can actually own that. Like if you're playing Fortnite or whatever, and you have a skin mm-hmm. for a character, you can actually own that skin. Or CSGO something. does this. CSGO does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, okay. Counter-Strike. Yeah. Uh, you're able to buy skins for your, whether it's guns, knives, or whatever, and you can then use them inside the game. There is marketplace on Steam mm-hmm. that you could then also be selling your skins that you would have, or you'd go on a mm-hmm. completely different website. So the the concept of NFTs, I feel like, has been around for a for a long time. And then we also look at MTGO. Yeah, MTGO. It's a digital card game. Yeah, right. I mean, Arena, you can't really sell this, but right. MTGO, there's a huge market for. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, go go ahead, Dwayne. I feel like you're going to say something. I was going to. Yeah. So I was just going to say that the the one distinction I would draw between some of those um, uh, examples and maybe what we're starting to see now is that with blockchain, you can have true ownership of these assets. And I'll tell you that I've, I've been a game, like I said, I've been a gamer for many years. I used to play Diablo 2 and I would spend real world money on getting, you know, some God gear loot. Mm-hmm. And um and I'm talking hundreds of dollars at a time when that was very meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, you know, we could talk about how foolish that was because it was, but, you know, just as a, as a interesting um, takeaway in comparison, when I stop playing that game for 30 days or 60 days or 90 days or whatever it is, Blizzard just deletes my account because they don't yeah. have the server space for holding onto that. That those assets are gone forever. There's no recovering that. It's not. I can't get a refund. It's done. It disappeared. It's ether. Um, but then you compare that to non-fungible tokens on a blockchain. And even if I don't love those bored apes, that, which I was kind of making fun of earlier, um, the thing is, it's still that person's. It's still a piece of artwork, and they might love that piece of artwork. And as you know, with artwork, it's all about subjectivity. Um, they are willing to pay that, I guess, and they're willing to. They want to hold it. And then when you add to that interesting subjective, um, uh, you know, use case, the fact that it can have utility within a game, 
and that game can generate revenue. That's that's the kind of piece where I think I think the future of video games is going to be one on blockchain and two involving non-fungible tokens. Every game could benefit from this. I mean, any sort of RPG where your character is yours forever and in a literal sense, you could sell the character after you've grind and put time in, in, into the development of that character or uh, some special sword that you've you you can kill, you know, the most uh, powerful beast, and then it, it literally can track the history of that that weapon. It's going to be, it's going to introduce so much new desire for collectibles that not only are kind of aesthetically pleasing, like those knives that you're talking about in uh, CS:GO mm-hmm. um, uh, or wherever else, but but that actually add utility and that are yours to resell, which is super cool. I think. Yeah, it's it's funny you I mean it's not funny because I think we've all been there when you talk about the Diablo spending hundreds of dollars on whatever that that thing is. I you've been there. Don't lie. Diablo Don't lie. 3 had a real money market inside the game. Yes, they did. Yes. And then they got rid of then it. Then they got and rid I was of like, it. Like, oh, that's big sad. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, however, you you bring up that story, and it, it reminds me. Um, I like I remember when like the iTunes Store, mm-hmm. and the the whole digital world was really coming to life, um, and you and you started being able to have your movies or a TV show or your music. Uh, that like that was a revolution. Like having your music yeah. on like the iTunes Store. Um, I mean the th- I always had the thought of if I buy these things. I sure the company says I own them, but if they go under, I'm losing all of this stuff. So I was always a big proponent of owning physical media because if I own the physical media, I can have my own server. I can make it digital. Um, for example, like I have a Plex server, like I have my own server here, which I have downloaded. Um, oh, I ripped my movies too, which I own physical copies of. But um, I was never the biggest proponent of just keeping everything on digital because, again, if mm-hmm. something bad were to happen, I am at a I, I'm liable to lose all of these things. Mm-hmm. And that is, I feel like, a, gr- a really good thing about NFTs, right? Like you have this physical, I mean, not physical, but you have ownership on the blockchain. I'm still learning yeah. about the blockchain, by the way, but <laughs> it, the concept makes it makes it makes logical sense to me. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's- yeah. You know what? There's one thing that maybe we should add there too. Um, uh, one of the major criticisms or question marks for people's interest in stepping into this space can be around what you pointed out, which is that, you know, with the CDs that you used to buy, as opposed to going on um, and buying audio off of maybe Apple or wherever, um, the people express that concern with 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 the assets that are non-fungible tokens on a blockchain they'll say things like yeah but what if the government comes and you know shuts that whole thing down and and i think there's a lack of understanding there which is maybe worth spending a minute on because it it, it speaks to maybe the trust or the concerns uh the possible the interest it, it, that would be a barrier for some people mm-hmm. um and it's interesting to note that the way a blockchain works is the way like a network works and you know um um, if you wanted to log into like do a file sharing, I forget what they're called now. I haven't like different, like pirate Bay or something like this. There, there are different sites that I, that at least used to exist where you could log in and you could download a song, a movie or whatever. And yeah. then while simultaneously while you're downloading it, somebody's uploading it or grabbing it off of you. Mm-hmm. That's that, that network connectivity mm-hmm. is the, is what it, we're dealing with when we get, 
blockchains that are run on validators. So validators are usually just like 10 or 20 or 50 or 100 different people that are running the blockchain simultaneously. And this happens with all, all crypto. Bitcoin has something similar. That's th those are the miners. Um, Ethereum has, has something similar. And, uh, and all of the main, all most coins, I think, have this in some respect. And so that's the process where it, the network is being supported. And to the idea that it might just end one day is to suggest that the internet might just end one day. I mean, it's literally the same thing. And I mean, I guess China tries to do stuff like that, but then what happens? Like people get phones and they, 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 they use, um, they go, they we find go rounds. So I'm not convinced that that threat is, is maybe particularly legit, legitimate and, but it's worth touching on because that would be a barrier for some people to even want to hear about what NFTs or why would I play this game Splinter Hands or whatever else, you know, anything in blockchain, that's, that's a barrier for some people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and from my understanding, the blockchain is something that is completely independent of any government. And I mean, honestly, any entity it's all like like you said, mm -hmm. it's like it's a network, essentially, mm -hmm. of yeah. all of these devices essentially connecting to one another. So mm -hmm. I think I think the whole the government or anyone coming in and taking control, it's just I don't think it's a pos it's something that's actually possible to do. I again, no. again, my understanding. Um, yeah, they can. They can make it illegal or something, but then that would just all it would really do is make it hard for me to go to a store and cash in for USD or Canadian dollars. But they can't they can't shut the blockchain down. That's that's what like that's what some people say, but that's not that's not a reality. Yeah, actually, here in the U.S., uh, not I I want to say it was a couple of months ago. Um, I was watching it, it was on YouTube, but they had there were Senate hearings of people and representatives of these. Um, I don't think they were Bitcoin companies, but they were uh, people who were operating on the blockchain trying to educate um, senators and representatives, people who have no understanding of the concept <laughs> of a blockchain. And you could tell by the questions because in the United States, I, how can I, how would I put this delicately? <laughs> You're scared of what you don't understand. And right now, there's a lot of misunderstanding, mm -hmm. especially in mm -hmm. government, of what the blockchain sure. is. Um, I mean, that's a whole other topic. And I, in, sure. as as humans, I, there's a there's a I feel like there's a, there's also a a uh, not a potential, but um, just just a desire to control. Um, a lot of a lot of there there's there's a lot of desires to control um, in the entire world, right? But I've seen here in the United States and they're trying to seize on the blockchain. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe some of it's good intentioned, um, maybe some of it's un, um, ill intentioned, but I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. But I also think that um, I was listening to some video or, or some article was being read. I think it was around like 4% of transactions that are happening on the blockchain mm -hmm. have to do with something illegal. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's and I think that's where a lot of the government is coming from. It coming from is oh well, all of these illegal things. But mm -hmm. like you said, if it's four percent, yeah, that, that's a mm -hmm. very very small number, yeah. right? Um, but so so Dwayne, you know, we're, we're we're talking about like the blockchain and kind of how it operates. Um, probably the biggest criticism of the blockchain and NFTs that I've seen is energy usage and energy consumption. Mm. 
Um, mm. Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, I mean, I've I've seen I've seen multiple articles and people slamming it. Mostly, like if the if the topic gets brought up, they just slam it immediately and say, "Oh, it uses too much energy." Um, it's, yeah. it's bad for the climate, whatever the case may be. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I've got a lot of, I actually have a fair number of opinions on that. Um, I guess the first thing is that there are different ways to run a blockchain. So uh, that phrase blockchain came, come from, came from Bitcoin, which is every, every, uh, 10 minutes, there's a new block that's added. That block is a capture of all the transactions within that 10 minute period. And those are now locked and final and agreed upon across all the network. And now it can't be changed. And that's why that's why it's trusted. Uh, it, it's trustless. And um, and it's um, it's that's that's the system of which that we're talking about here. But there are other ways to do that. There are there are there's something called IOTA and it has a tangle system. A tangle system is like verified. This, this could get real complicated real fast, but I'm just going to say that there are different ways to validate the, 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 from the data that's on a given chain. And, and that's really important to understand because Bitcoin has one way of doing that. And that it's mechanism for securing itself is through that the miners all trying to calculate the mathematical formula that will answer that block and will they'll be paid for the bitcoin that's on that one that comes from completing that one equation and that locks up all that data um, and allows us to move forward that's that requires and and actually it it almost demands that a ton of computers be used in and in, in that power be used uh toward supporting it because if there were Interestingly, the Bitcoin network is, I think, the biggest uh, computer computing uh, entity like in the world and in all of history. Um, and it and that is interesting. That's actually not people. Some people are really concerned about the power concerns, um, but that's actually a feature, not a bug. And I say it like that because you have to understand that the way that there, I told you earlier, there's seven hundred billion dollars in Bitcoin that could be taken if if somebody's computing power was capable of outdoing the Bitcoin network computing power. And that's literally not possible because of how many computers are running, who are, are in agreement running that same network. Um, and so it's like, that's just a really important, it's everything is a cost versus reward, right? The, the cost is, you're right, there's, there's some concerns around the CO2 emissions that are coming out of maybe coal burning areas that are, that are running the planets, like perhaps China, which is a big, which is one of the big miners for, for Bitcoin. But uh, like I alluded to, there are different ways to run that. Not all of them are so demanding. Uh, there's something called proof of stake, and that's more akin to what Hive does. That's the blockchain that Splinterlands is based on. And um, and so there are different ways, and they are way, way, way more um, um, energy efficient. And so uh, I would say anybody that want, is concerned about that component of it and who, who wants to kind of step away from cryptocurrency should at least explore proof of stake, which is an alternative, and a lot of major coins use it because, in part because of that concern. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I I recently saw an article where they were comparing that they were looking at how much energy was consumed by one transaction on a certain blockchain and compared it to 
the energy consumption of an entire household in I'm not it was like the somewhere in Europe I think and they were and mm. the, they said that it consumed as much energy as one household in two weeks and and you tell me if I'm wrong here but the way I looked at it is my, my first thought was you need to be careful when looking at data because you need you have to look at well what are they referencing like what's their reference point how are they getting that data. But the other thing, too, was when we're talking about energy consumption, um, like all we're moving in a more digital age now. And I think ev literally everyone is is on the computer. Like if you go in anyone's house, there's so many devices in their house. I mean, you look at my house, look at how many devices that I've got going here. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm 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 very op not optimistic. <laughs> I'm cautious. I'm very cautious when looking at that data because. Any st statistician can really make the data look however they want it to look, and for people yeah. who really don't look don't look close enough at the data, they can really be fooled. When and I'm not suggesting that's what was happening, but I'm yeah. just very cautious, specifically when it's something I don't fully understand. Mm -hmm. So my yeah. takeaway always is. Before you jump to any conclusions, do research and then do more research and then even do more research on that, um, be, especially when it's something that is so complicated and con I want to say convoluted. It's, it's very complicated, especially mm -hmm. when there's all these sure. data points. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. And because it, it, it actually the whole conversation that we're having, um, it doesn't even become relevant or worth having from some people's perspective because they don't first acknowledge the fact that I, the whole introductory that comment that I made about inflation and about, mm -hmm. you know, what's happening with, with fiat currency, they don't see that problem. And so they don't see a need for a solution, which is intrinsic to Bitcoin specifically and to blockchain broadly. Um, if you don't acknowledge the problem of inflation, which is like, I think 7% in America last year by, 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 uh, by government numbers, which I don't really trust, to be honest, like there, there, there's all kinds of, that's a whole can of worms that we'd have to probably spend a half an hour on. But, um, there is good reason to believe that the numbers are, are probably lower. Um, they're being reported lower than they should. And so, uh, you know, if you don't acknowledge that that's a problem, then I don't know, maybe maybe you couldn't go to the next step of saying, well, what could we do as a solution? Because like I said earlier, there is always a cost versus uh, benefit analysis that has to happen when you're doing when you're calculating these things. For instance, uh, you know, we're concerned about CO2 emissions. And so Tesla has been blowing up and everybody wants, a, you know, an, an, an electric vehicle. But there's a cost benefit analysis, if you're being honest with yourself, which is this, that there's all kinds of like rare earth metals that are required for those batteries that they come out of certain parts of the world. What's happening to that land? What, what sort of labor is being used to acquire those? Um, and, uh, and, and, and then where's the power coming from once you get that e-car? Like where, how are you charging it? Are you, is your, is you, do you live in a place that burns coal to get electricity into your city? Then you're using coal power to, to power your vehicle. So there's, you know, if we're, if we're really looking at things in a detailed and honest manner, there's so many layers that you need to peel back to fully understand the cost benefit. And people don't always want to go there. Yeah, all of these conversations are always more complicated than what people make them out to be. And honestly, as humans, we try to simplify things as best we can because I, 
I mean, that's just, that's our nature. That's what we try and do. But to your point, if we're really honest with ourselves first and foremost, but then also one another, I think we'd all have to acknowledge that all of these conversations are more complicated and more nuanced than any one of us really and truly let on to what they are. Mm. Just like that mm. whole thing with electric vehicles. Um, I mean, the only thing that I would say to the electric, to that electric vehicle, to the to the electric vehicle point is, I mean, I, I, I'm right there with you. How are you getting your power that you're um, putting into your vehicle? Um, mm -hmm. the, the, the other thing too, as well is, you know, electric vehicles aren't, aren't putting in, into the atmosphere, the, the CO2 that, um, gas powered vehicles are, but w that point that you just said is often ignored when talking about these conversations. And I think that's a shame because again, we're not being a hundred percent honest with, with each other, honestly. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. uh, um, do, do you think NFTs are a get rich quick scheme? I have seen that. I've, I've seen that. Uh, I've seen that a lot. I think some are <laughs> like most yeah. are. So to Jim's right. Some are being sold that way, mm -hmm. but those are the ones I would personally go nowhere near. Mm -hmm. And, and so when I watch videos where it's like, this thing's going to blow up in, you know, in the next two weeks or, or they say, look how much I made like in the last week or so, those are the ones where you really need to run because it can be very exciting to see what someone else has done. This is why, you know, all of the commercials that we get on social media, at least the ones I see investment advice commercials are usually like this guy made 10,000, this guy made 50. And it's always examples, anecdotal examples where somebody's really hit, hit it big. But um, yeah, I mean, Splinterlands in particular is a video game where you're going to be paid depending on if you buy the $10 account and nothing else, you might be paid, you know, what would probably amount to, I'm going to say like 50 cents um, a week. That that's, that's a guess. Uh, I haven't done the calculations recently, but, but interestingly, those assets, the 50 cents, if it was 50 cents a week, interestingly, those are the cards, like I said earlier, are non-fungible tokens and they're deflationary in nature. And so if you bought that $10 account and if you played the game, enjoying it for four years, which is kind of the time horizon for a bull market within cryptocurrency, starting today and going for probably another four years, um, half an hour a day, that's, this is kind of my story, by the way, um, uh, you, you would find that any assets you did accumulate during that playtime would end up being worth more across that time horizon, across a long enough time horizon because of their deflationary nature. Now, does that make it a get rich quick, quick scheme? No, absolutely not. Like it's a few pennies that ends up snowballing into something bigger and you can end up being very surprised by what you've accumulated, but um, it would take financial investment to, to get it to a place where it was going to be uh, really astonishing or really kind of um, life-changing. And so just one more note, my story is one where I put in about five grand and it's, it's blossomed into a lot, but it was, it was five grand plus three and a half years of playing the game and enjoying it along the way and making trades that really extracted, that sold high at sometimes and bought low. So it was, it was neither easy nor short term. It was, it took a lot of attention and time and it, and it led to something big. Now, do you have a background in finance? Just uh, like a lay person, like honestly, 
so in 2008, I was I got married in 2008, and I watched the two, you know the, the the crisis unfold, and I I heard I learned about quantitative easing, which is a very interesting concept. If people the viewers don't know, but holy cow, like the idea that they're just going to print money uh, to try and pull the economy back up when it's when it's fallen. Mm -hmm. That's that's in a nutshell what it is, mm -hmm. and um, it's just it. I I thought to myself they're buying like they're they're essentially paying off the debts of the people who who put us in this place like some of the most the biggest banks and um and they're doing it again and it's like that to me was a a, a slap in the face and a wake-up call where i was like oh like my canadian currency and us dollar is um is really is is only goes one way it goes down and down and down in value because even if it's two percent a year which is what they say it is you know, every year that's compounding 2%, 2% over, over, you know, uh, 10 years, it's not 20%, right? It's more than that because every it's two, 2% and then 2% on top of it. Um, two point zero four. So I just, I, I just year. started pouring over all kinds of material online as a result of that. And I've spent years kind of studying inflation and gold and silver and cryptocurrency, uh, because of it. So you hear that, people? You don't have to go to college. You don't have to go to school to learn literally anything. It's on YouTube, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> you can learn whatever you want if you just sit down and put in the time. Like, yep. I'm. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I hear anybody say something like that to where they took it upon themselves, they didn't know something, and they researched and learned it on their own, that's awesome. Yeah, Dan, I tell my kids that a lot. Like, I've got seven and five-year-olds, but um, I tell them, you know, and my nephew who's, I think, 10 now. Um, and it's like, you know, what do you want to, what are you going to be when you grow up? Well, I think I'm going to go this, go to school for this or go to school for that. And it's like, you know, I try to encourage them that hands-on skills are, are in some ways, we, we're, it's the most important thing. And then, and you can learn these things you don't need some person with, you know, a, a certain type of jacket standing in front of a room to, to explain these things. It's literally the power of the internet. And, and it's so beautiful because there's democratization of, of, of knowledge. Like the, the world can learn this and increasingly India and Africa and some of the poorest nations in the world who have access to the internet through cell phones, which is a growing access, access point. It's going to unlock so much knowledge in a, and, and transform so many lives, you know, if we're paying attention to it, if we're trying to use the tool. Um, and so, yeah, man, for sure. I agree. Yeah. And then, the, and, and the only thing that I would say too, and, and I always make sure that I point this out too, is um, yes, you can learn anything, but the also anybody can put anything on the internet too. <laughs> so when, when you are learning and when you are researching, Take everything – I don't want to say take everything with a grain of salt, but again, be very cautious, um, be open-minded, be, but be cautious and um, double-check like what you're, what you're researching. If Do your you research find, on your research. Exactly. Yeah. I mean that that's yeah. very – and that's – to me, that's a very basic thing. Mm -hmm. But the unfortunate thing is that is not very basic. It's yeah. like that's not taught. Totally. And people don't say mm. that. So I want to make sure that we that I'm I'm saying that. Yes, learn. Learn on your own, but corroborate. Make sure what yeah. you're finding is truth. Is is the mm -hmm. true thing. Mm -hmm. Um so, so true. Um 
Yeah. So thank you for that. That that's that's awesome. Um. All right. So you know we we we've talked a little bit about uh, your tabletop experience. Um. I I enjoy hearing other people like Diablo. That that's awesome. <laughs> I can't wait for Diablo Four. Assuming that comes out. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got Diablo Immortals on the phone. Do we? Do you guys not have phones? Do we? <laughs> you guys not have phones? <laughs> I don't know when that's coming out. <laughs> if you're if you're not familiar. Uh, just go look it up. I don't. I don't <laughs> want to spoil your. I fun. don't even know what BlizzCon that was. 2018, 2019? Dude, it's, it's been one of forever. those two. It's, it's one of those. Yeah. But anyway, um, so so tabletop gaming. Uh, t- uh, tell us a little bit about your tabletop experience and kind of how tabletop has had an impact on your life. So, um, ever since I've been married, like I said, 2008, my wife and I have always loved games, and we'll play. We we used to host potlucks, and we would have friends come over and we play board games of all kinds. Um, and that's been a big part of our social life and things have changed a little bit over the few years, you know, we get to have kids and then, um, you know, um, a lot of world events in the last couple of years have affected how that, what that looks like, but, um, it's still an important part of my life and I'll meet with the guys of, you know, probably at least once a month and we'll just do an all nighter where we're, we're going to get into something and, uh, Lord of the Rings living card game is a game that I personally invested in quite a bit. Like, again, it's one of these collectible card games where you're going to, you know, spend, I spent probably a thousand bucks on, on different expansion packs and whatnot. And I just love the card art and I love the, the, the getting into, I, I love Tolkien. First of all, I love Lord of the Rings, everything to do with it. Um, and, uh, and, and then getting into the, the, like I'm like oh I remember when he said that line in the book or you know and then we'll get into a conversation about how the movie was slightly different than the book and and um, so it's like the whole immersive feel and then I started going to Penny Arcade Expo which is a um, I don't know if you know what it is but it's a it's an event that happens in Seattle Washington in I want to say like Texas and Australia um, and and what it is is it's video game and tabletop everything to do with it so there's like all the new games of both varieties you go it's an exhibit you go walk through you meet some of the developers you try these things out mm-hmm. it's really fun or at least it used to be um i haven't been in years but um that was one of those other experiences where I, we would stay me and six guys would be crammed into a hotel and all night long all day long we're at the exhibit playing the games all night long we're you know at the hotel getting into more of it and so Lord of the Rings Living Card Game, more recently Fallout. Um, um, I mean, Settlers of Catan is a huge one for me. Uh, like, I just, I, I have probably 50 different games right beside me here, but it's just like, a, and the other day we even had like, a, we had a party and we were throwing around um, different things like categories and who knew, but those, you know, a little bit more simplistic, but I love it. Risk um access and allies so many amazing games that i just i've spent my whole childhood playing for hours and hours and hours so so you you talk about the uh, lord of the rings living card game fantastic game um and then last last week on the podcast we we talked all about expandable and living card games yeah. uh, that that type of format um now did you ever get into any of the trading card or collectible card games like magic pokemon i mean there's a ton of them out there, but did you ever get into any of those at all? No, honestly, Dan, I kind of missed that. Um, I watched Digimon, the cartoon, but mm-hmm. I felt like it was a secret pleasure when I was a kid. I, I was, I was at an age, these things came out when I was at an age where I was like, I couldn't, I was trying to be cool and I cared about what people thought. <laughs> and 
And so I, I wasn't playing any of it, but I was watching Digimon and I loved it. And, um, and then years went by and I get, you know, I, I guess I got more comfortable with myself and I started diving into Lord of the Rings and now I read them all the time. And then I heard about that and my buddy got me into that game. So, but no, I missed most of those, uh, most of the big ones. And I feel like Splinterlands is my late entrance to that world. Cause it is, it feels very similar in some, some respects. Honestly, Digimon was cooler than Pokemon. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. And and I, I, you know, we laugh about the, you know, trying to be cool. But we that was we were that was all yeah. of us. I mean, yeah. come on. Everyone. I didn't want anybody Everyone. to know that I was a nerd. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to. I wanted. I wanted to be. Yeah, I'm a cool kid. No, I wasn't a cool kid. <laughs> <laughs> I was open about like all my stuff I played. Yeah, not me. Not not me. In fact, I wasn't uh, my I'm parents, like I want my friends to also be playing these games as well. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. I I realized that too late. Yeah. I realized that when I got to one no, after college actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it took me a while to 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 mm-hmm. figure that out. Um okay. So but you know you, you you touch on Lord of the Rings and the living card game. Um and honestly, like everything that you pointed out, the just the 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 theming, um, the talking about the the, the line of how it's different mm-hmm. from the books or the movie, um, mm-hmm. kind of you know what what if if you had to pick like what was your what was your favorite part about Lord of the Rings the card game? Like was it the art, the theming, mm-hmm. or just mm-hmm. the the joy of playing a the card storytelling. game? Storytelling, yeah. It was probably the storytelling or like the immersive experience that it offered me like to, to step into the world, um, in a way, in a, in a deeper way. So like I've read the, like I said, I've read the books many, many times. I've watched the movies many, many times. And then, but then to put things together, like there's a, there's a card that I think about sometimes it's, I think it's called, it's, um, it might be called like three, three hairs or something like that. Um, and in, in the, in the, in the, movie to a little bit and the book to a greater extent there's this whole exchange between galadriel and gimli and uh he is smitten with her and he he seems to like i don't know if he loves her or but or if he wants to have a relationship with her or something like that there's there's nothing um uh it's 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 a beautiful exchange where he expresses the most respect he could possibly to her and understanding, understanding that this is a, a moment in a, in a, in a, in a world where elves and dwarves hate each other. Mm-hmm. And, and he, and she is distrustful or ought to be as the queen in this context. She, uh, he, this dwarf has come into, I think into the forest at that time. I forget exactly where they met, but, um, but, it shouldn't be a positive experience, but it is. And it's a beautiful moment where at the, uh, at the end, when he's leaving with the, with the rest of the group, he asks, he said, she gives a special gift to every one of them and uh, every one of the, um, the companions. Um, and she offers Gimli. She's like, what, what would you like Gimli? And, and he says, Oh, like I couldn't take anything. Like it was just like a wonderful to, to meet you kind of thing. And she insists and he, he brazenly asks for a strand of her hair um, and he said, and, and I think her, her, I think it's, I forget who it is, but one of the other elves there like wants to kill him for this request. And it's such a powerful exchange and he, but he's so innocent and, and, and genuinely respectful in the moment. And he's like, I only ask because you made me ask, like, I, I know it, I, I shouldn't ask. 
and he and she gives it to him and no she asks what he would do with it and he's like i would put it in the most fine jewel and i would treasure it for generations it's such a touching and wonderful moment and it's one of those moments where i that why i love tolkien and uh and why I love Lord of the Rings. And then there's a card about it in the game and it helps Gimli. Uh, and, and, and it's like, this is the world I know. And it's like, I remember that moment. And I, you know, and it conjures up all this um, excitement for the deep lore that can be unpacked in a very um, deliberate and um, immersive manner in a game like that. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite things just about living card games and the mm-hmm. it's more so living card games because <clears throat> when we you know we talked last week about the kind of the differences between living and expandable where they kind of are the same thing but with the living card games those were very much narrative narrative driven um and you really can't get that experience that you're talking about really mm-hmm. in any other kind of game and honestly if you've never played a living card game that the, the there's three that we've we've talked about before: L- the Lord of the Rings, Marvel Champions, and Arkham Horror. Marvel Cha- uh, Marvel Champions is much less narrative driven, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. But Lord of the Rings and Arkham Horror, the narratives within that within the game are so immersive. And if you've never experienced it, really as a card game player, you should. You really, really should. Um, I mean. I mean that what what you just said is just is is fantastic. <laughs> also, what he was going on, it it kind of brings me back to Disney villainous. I was as thinking well. the same thing too. And, yes, because uh, it was like you know he was talking about the three hairs card or mm-hmm. whatever it was, and I'm just like, huh, all right, I I know this Disney movie, and all the cards yeah. are something from that movie. Yeah. And after we watched the uh, what was that Great Mouse Detective? Yeah, that one. I was like. Oh my goodness! <laughs> this this is great. You <laughs> sure can't... it's not as in depth and right. you know carrying on a campaign, yes. but they still do a really great job in terms of like, mm-hmm. oh, I know where this was from, and it makes perfect sense. And I don't think you can get that type of experience outside of a tabletop environment. Yeah, you re- you really can. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. what Dwayne talked about, what you've just talked about, mm-hmm. it's. That is why I love tabletop. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's why I love card games too. Because like you said, Dwayne, like it's on that card. Like it it's that mm-hmm. moment that they're mm-hmm. telling the, they're literally telling that story mm-hmm. and it's I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I I I yeah. really really do. Um yeah. and and they know they know how we so the people who make these things love the game and or the the the, the movie, the lore, the books. Mm-hmm. The source and you material. know that as a as a fan, you you can you can feel mm-hmm. their expertise and their their gentleness with the material, and that is such a pleasure to to explore. For for sure, um, and <laughs> anytime a developer or a publisher or designer takes on. Um, a material such as Lord of the Rings or really any other large IP, mm-hmm. if they get it wrong, their fans will let them know about it. <laughs> that happens so much in like those uh, the 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 movies that they'll take from like video games or whatever it is, and then turn them into a live action thing mm-hmm. or an anime, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and they're just like, how 
How did How you mess you? up that name? Yeah. Where's the real Cortana? Where is, you know, whatever it is? Why is Master Chief so so small? <laughs> <laughs> are, 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 are either of you fans of Jack Reacher at I all? I don't know what that is. So, so, no. so Jack Reacher is a character uh, from a series of books called The Killing Floor, I believe. Um, but it's a I like it, the game Killing Floor. Not, not like the game. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, um, but uh, there's a there's a recent show on Amazon Prime called Reacher. Okay, mm-hmm. there were movies called Jack I Reacher uh, years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I loved the movies. Mm-hmm. When I watched the movies. I was not familiar with the source material. Um, rarely am I familiar with the source material, <laughs> I feel like, honestly. Um, but hey, I, you know, it's, it's joy about finding these new characters, new IPs, and yeah. learning more about them. Um, so when those movies first came out, um, the main character was uh, led by Tom Cruise. So Tom Cruise was Jack Reacher. I believe there were two movies. They really were good movies. I, I enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with this new series that came out, um, the actor playing Jack Reacher is Alan Richter. I believe it's pronounced Rickton, um, but he was Aquaman. Isn't that in, Snape? Uh, no, no. Was he's, that his, he's what was his name? Away. I know, but what was his name? Alan something? Uh, I, I can't remember. I, I've got the face, but I can't remember the name. Um, but anyway, he was Aquaman in Smallville. Yeah. Um, so, but he's he's a very he's a he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. He's big, stocky. Yeah. Um, he's really funny. He's a good actor. Um, but. I come to find out that was the character Jack Reacher. He was a big, daunting. He's a big, daunting guy. And so, come to find out, when those original movies came out, the fans of the Jack Reacher uh, books were not very happy that they cast Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise is a very small guy. Good actor, mm-hmm. but he's very, very small. So, um, the fans let them know. <laughs> the fans let them know about it. Uh, so that's that's that there we go. Alan Rickman. That, that was close. You, you were close. Yeah, Alan Rickman. There we go. I I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. I just it was on tip my tongue. So <laughs> <laughs> so okay. So you know we we talk about the the these living card games right and just card games in general and then I, I see a re a very real correlation between um, card games in general. And kind of our mentality as card game players, because honestly, like I would classify myself as a card game player, as a card gamer. Mm-hmm. I think you probably would too. Yeah. Um, most of, and most of this is semantics, honestly. Um, but it's just really the type of games that we enjoy. But as a card game player, I really see correlations between card games and NFTs. Is that is that intentional? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. But I mean, Dwayne. Do, do you kind of see those do you see correlations between NFTs and card games? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the better ones. Um, and I think Splinterlands uh, is one that is trying to draw that comparison and that connection. Um, I don't know if they if the developers used to love magic. I don't know what their backstory intimately is, but um, it seems to me that that the, that the game is really, one where it, it reminds me a lot of Lord of the Rings living card game where there's new expansions that come out semi-regularly. Uh, it seems like every couple of years there's a main expansion set that comes out. And when that comes out, it's going to, it's going to create ripples in the meta. It's going to create, you know, interesting new decks you can build. It's going to create <coughs> um, 
new challenges you have to learn to overcome uh, as a player. And uh, and then there's also there's an ev evolution of rule sets. The rule sets are are little modifiers to the game rules that you need to play within on from battle to battle that can change each each the outcome of each match. And um, and so it feels very much. It, you know, living, you know, Lord of the Rings living card game, and you know how if you're playing in Mirkwood, it's one thing. If you're playing in like, I don't know, I can't remember the other the other names of the different mi uh, missions, but there's there's lots of missions, and each mission has its own parameters and its own rule sets. Mm -hmm. So it feels very much like that sort of vibe. And then you might buy more of the cards and then unlock more of the utility, or you might not, and maybe you just go with the the core set. And if, if to carry the analogy forward, that's the ten dollar um, that's a ten dollar account is the core set, and then anything else on top of that is going to unlock, I guess, extra utility. But yeah, I do see a I I see a direct uh, a relationship there. We're yeah. buying singles <laughs> and splinter lands, so yeah. you know. Um, so I I think I think card games really are the perfect. Um, use case for nfts yeah. um i personally like I, I just i think it i think it's a match made in heaven like not <laughs> like, just, just to use the term yeah but i really feel like nfts in card games really were meant for one another mm -hmm. like i feel like that's kind of there's so many use I, there's a lot of use cases for nfts but i just feel like card games are like the perfect one mm -hmm. for for them for sure it's definitely one of them I, yes, I yeah. come back. I come from like a huge MMO RPG background, mm -hmm. right? So I'm thinking like, okay, this one legendary weapon that drops from you know whatever raid boss it is, mm -hmm. there can only be 500 or however many there are, yeah. and it's like, all right, well now that one legendary weapon I can now sell to someone else or however yeah. they they go about getting it. Okay, that's another thing for the NFT. Or you could have really powerful allies that you can take with you on like an adventure or whatever. Or it can be a house. All the furniture inside your house inside this game as well could then just also be NFTs. Mm. So everything mm. I know from MMOs, it's just like, all right, well, now let's turn it into NFTs. And now I can actually sell this stuff for real money. But it's weird yeah. because there's a lot of pushback from the NMO. MMO community that they don't want a lot of uh they don't like NFTs. Really? Yeah, because there's a lot of rug pull with some of these uh, businesses. And NFTs in general, I think are overall kind of scammy. Right? Yeah. You know, he was talking about the board eight ape yacht club. Yeah. Right. Just recently there was a a YouTuber by the name of Bradley Martin, who is a um just like a, a workout YouTuber influencer. Okay. So he's like really jacked. So he was out trying to push these jacked apes. And just recently, the people who uh, were in control of everything pulled out millions of dollars. Really? Yeah. So it caused yeah. the price of it to completely tank. It was called like jacked apes. Oh. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So. Yeah. Crypto is crypto is like rife with that because we're still the wild west at this point. Like yeah. most most people, I'd say five out of ten people don't have a clue about cryptocurrency, about blockchain, and like probably three out of ten, um, uh, they have some grasp of it, and probably two out of ten really get it, and and so that's a huge barrier 
for and 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 again it it starts with most people don't really even believe that there's a need for this sort of thing because of that that beginning conversation we had and so these are the barriers standing between us and and i guess wider broader adoption for for bitcoin and for other cryptocurrencies and that is when that begins to actually unfold that's when there'll be increased security and um um safety in the space it will never be perfect because people will always try to rip each other off but mm -hmm. there'll be increased uh safety and and accountability as we get more and more mainstream here's the problem the opportunity the financial the life-changing financial opportunity is kind of in front of us if we want it and again that's not being said to try and excite somebody into making a rash decision when i felt this way that that, that that's how i felt four years ago and then I spent like maybe a year deep diving into cryptocurrency. And so if, I, if anybody's listening to me and, and feeling like I'm saying something that is maybe exciting them and they're like, ah, oh, I probably should get into this thing. I, I've been thinking about it for a while. Not unless you understand it, because mm -hmm. I, I could tell you at least a handful of, of, of nightmare things that happened to me personally because of that growing knowledge and because of the, the the some of the holes and hazards in this space four years ago and probably even today and so take your time investigate 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 but it is a life-changing um uh financial revolution and i do believe it's not going anywhere and so it really is in everyone's best interest to take it seriously now in terms of looking into it and that's all I would say. Just look into it, under, begin to understand blockchain, begin to explore uh, non-fungible tokens, especially those that have utility. So you just answered the question I was going to ask. <laughs> what, like, what advice would you give someone who is looking to get into this? So, I mean, you, you spoke on that beautifully. Um, but I think the final thing that I, that I'd like to ask you here is you know you just talked about as someone who came into this four years ago um so you've got where you were four years ago where you are now where do you see um kind of not just the nft space going um here in the near future but more specifically like splinterlands like what is your like are you hopeful for the future of splinterlands and nft card mm -hmm. gaming really yeah i am um, i really believe that that this game, the Splinterlands in particular, has survived a bear market and that it is positioned to thrive in the next bear market. And I think the cryptocurrency, when I say bear market, I mean the downtime in the cryptocurrency market. There's bull cycles, which are where everything's up and there's bear markets where everything's down. This game has survived that that cycle once already. It's it's poised and capable of doing it again. That's an important distinction that separates it from many other operations out there. Additionally, I find the game fun. That's so important. I'm not I'm not I'm not playing something to grind it out to get some you know cryptocurrency that because because I want that token. I'm and I'm playing a game I like and I have played it for years. I played it for three and a half years I think now, every day. Uh, be, not because it gives me rewards, but because I like it. And then incidentally, it gives me rewards. And those rewards, like I said, are trivial in nature. Even at the highest levels, you're going to get a couple dollars a day, but you, you, it, it would take a ton of assets to be at that high level. So it's really trivial rewards on a daily basis. But if you understand blockchain and if you understand deflationary assets, then you're going to be, begin to recognize the fact that accumulating those assets will 
snowball your account because they will appreciate over a long enough time horizon. So I, I believe strongly that Splinterlands is here to stay. I believe that it's fun and entertaining. I believe that it's reasonable to play, like to, to get started with the game. And I think anybody who wanted to try and do it for 10 bucks could do it and could have fun and could make some over the next four years, you're going to make um, a shocking amount of money from a video game that costs you $10. It might be just a few hundred bucks, but what game is giving you anything, right? You go play Diablo for several hours and you've got nothing to show for it. Um, you, you, most games, Hearthstone, like most games, they don't give you anything that you can personally value from. My friend just today sent me a message in discord showing me, and he plays at silver which is the, I don't know if you know this, Dan, but it's bronze is a low level, silver is the next level. And so it's like, he's a low level player and he dropped a, um, a gold foil uh, legendary card in, in, his, in his rewards. Um, and that's like $100 that he just got randomly from playing a game he's enjoying anyways. And that's the opportunity in front of people who are recognizing it and who are willing to, but first and foremost, those who are enjoying it, don't even... Forget about the, the the opportunity. If it's not fun, don't bother. But I say it is fun. That well, that that that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you mean to tell me I can like have an account for like ten bucks and get a card potential? That's worth, yeah, uh, hundred bucks. That's kind of cool. That, it does. That, it it can take a little bit of yeah, time. Yeah, but right, yes. right, yeah. right, right. Um. Well, that that's awesome. So so Dwayne, if um if people want to see your content, where 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 can they find you and your content? So I'm on Twitter at time and attention and we talk about family, finance, faith. Those are my three interests. And then, um, with a focus on Splinterlands and then on YouTube, just Dwayne Cunningham. And, uh, that's my channel name, but it, my in-game name is infidel 1258. So if anybody wonders, that's, that's where that comes from. Well, awesome. Um, Dwayne, that was, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Um, I can see why, uh, Jim said we had to talk to you. <laughs> so thank you very much for being here. Um, this is a fantastic conversation. I know I learned a lot. Um, I, I, I definitely learned a lot. Well, that's, yeah. that's good. <laughs> and I, I, I hope our audience got something out of this conversation, which I think they will. So Dwayne, thanks so much for being here. And uh, we hope to talk to you again soon in the future. Yeah, man. I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me on. Have a great night, guys. All right. Um, Jim, that was a fantastic conversation. Yeah, that was, was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> rewinding a little bit, um, a few months ago, Jim had talked to me and told me that like I, I needed to uh, talk to his friend Dwayne <laughs> and that he's a really knowledgeable guy and really interesting. And uh, yeah, Jim, you were right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he was going over some of this stuff, like I'm, I'm a little bit into crypto and mm -hmm, NFTs, right? Mm -hmm. And when he was saying like three out of 10 people and two out of 10 people are really into it, three out of 10 being like a little bit into it. I was definitely just a little bit into it. When I, he was going more yeah, in yeah. depth, I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. When he was talking about like three out of ten people have like a a, a kind of a base a basic yeah. understanding of it, I'm like, I think that's me. Like, yeah. I think I've got a, I have I have a decent grasp on the concept and mm -hmm. what it is. Um, I can't talk I can't talk anything more <laughs> specific, but that's probably it was four it was like four out of ten or three out of yeah. ten. Like maybe I'm not even a three out of ten. I don't know, but. <laughs> All I know is I don't know enough. And I I'm just sitting here more. like, 
five out of four people are bad with fractions. Okay. (laughs) That's where I'm sitting. All I know is after that conversation, I am uh, like one rung better than where I was. That's, that's all I know. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we're, we're back. uh, We're back to doing these interviews. Uh, What did you think? Um, Let us know uh, what you thought of that conversation. Um, I know NFTs and cryptocurrency really is a hot button topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are your opinions? Like, what do you guys think? of nfts and cryptocurrency um if you can probably you could probably tell from that conversation we're we're very open we're open-minded about just the whole concept in general um Mm -hmm. and honestly i always i always end on i need to learn more i don't know enough and i need to learn more Mm -hmm. i'm very open-minded about these types of things but where do you fall what do you think about nfts and really how it relates to the tabletop space i think it's the future of yeah. gaming as a whole, really. Yeah, I, I I do too. Um, and like I like I said in that conversation, um, I'm always going to default to wanting something physical mm-hmm. in my hand. And really, for, when we're talking about tabletop, I think that's how a lot of people in the tabletop space how they're going to feel too, mm-hmm. where they want to be sitting around a table. Um, and you know, we talk about it a lot when the, this conversation about tabletop and digital uh, games, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was a fantastic conversation and the conversation is not going away. Yeah, You know, you can talk if, if you're one of those people who doesn't think highly of it, you can try to um, disregard as much as you want. It's not going away. Mm-hmm. You know, that this whole topic, this whole conversation is not going away. Um, so going off of that, really, what do you think? You know, we'd love to have this conversation. We want to know what your thoughts, what your opinions are, um, and really kind of just get the gauge of the community, kind of know where you guys are at. So let us know. Leave us a comment. Uh, leave us a review. Shoot us an email. Um, we would definitely, <laughs> we're always open to having these conversations and uh, honestly learning more. So, you know, there was one other thing I was just thinking about. Sure. So, all right. You know, we want to sit in at a table playing these games with people, mm-hmm. right? Eventually, we're going to get to the point where it's just, we're going to be in VR, yeah. sitting around whatever it is, right? Yeah. And then you're going to have your friends around a virtual table. And then you're just like, oh, let me go in my inventory right quick, bust this game out. And then, well, now we're just playing Magic in VR. Okay, Ernest Quine. <laughs> If Eventually, you, if you haven't, uh, go read Ready Player One's fantastic book. Um, we'll get there. Uh, we probably will at some point. Probably, probably in our will. lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I would. Would there, not be surprised. So there on Steam, a Zen uh, game called Zenith, a v, the like first uh, VR MMORPG came out recently. Okay. All right. I, I don't have a VR headset. Yeah, me neither. I need to get one. <laughs> <laughs> I probably need to get one too, but uh, you know, anyway. Um, all right. Well, we could, we could continue that. Honestly, we could continue this conversation. Yeah. From all right. Let's get like. on. <laughs> all right. Let's go. So Jim, where can people yeah. find you on the internet? Yeah, You guys can find me on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram at Jim Morgan, H N H. You can find me on Twitter at underscore DG Campbell and on, uh, Instagram, Instagram at daniel.g.campbell. You can find Hobbies and Happiness on just about every social media platform as well, hobbies.n.happiness. Um, yeah, so this was a great conversation. Looking forward to the next conversation we have and the next interview. Um, looking, I'm looking forward to next week. And if you guys are interested <laughs> in Splinterlands, we'll actually leave a link down below. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely leave that information for you as well. Um, I'm not spoiling what next week is, but I am really looking forward to next week. And I, <laughs> I know, know you, you will, are. and I know you will be too. So, all right. Well, with that, thanks everybody for being here, and we will catch you in the next episode. See you, everybody. Take care. Oh.